So uh, this morning's reading is James uh, chapter 3, starting at 13, going to the end of the chapter, and then uh, chapter 4 up to verse 8. Uh, the title is Two Kinds of Wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Chapter 4, Submit Yourselves to God. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so as Amy says, I'm Claire. There's some people here that I've never seen before. So just to introduce myself, um, I'm married to Nick. I'm mum to two glorious children. Um, and in my normal life, I'm an English teacher. Um, but I have the, the privilege of being able to speak here this morning. A bit of a phrase in our family. And if you've no idea what I mean by that, just bear with me. Um, and hopefully all will become clear. Okay. To give you a little bit of context, James is writing here to Christians who are undergoing trials and sufferings. 
They've been scattered throughout the Mediterranean world, and they've been persecuted, and the cracks are beginning to show in their lives, in their lives individually and in their lives together as a community. A couple of weeks ago, Davo talked to us about how they were showing favouritism to some people but not to others. Last week, Will talked about how harsh words were creeping up um, in their vocabularies and in their lives. And this morning, in this morning's reading, we find that there are arguments and quarrels breaking out among them. Um, as I say, the cracks are beginning to show. And I wonder if you can put your hand up for me if you have ever lived by yourself. Anybody? Okay. Excellent. So a number of us in the room have had a period of time where it's just been us in the house. And before I was married, um, I had nearly two years where I just lived by myself. And I thought it was a great time for my Christian life, for my walk with Jesus. I had time. I spent a lot of time um, with God. I read my Bible loads. And I thought, do you know, like, I'm really growing in my faith here. I'm really growing in the fruits of the Spirit. I'm really patient. I'm really kind. I'm really gentle. I'm, this is really good, Lord. Thank you for this fruit in my life. And then I got married. <laughs> and I realised that actually I hadn't grown in all of those great, wonderful gifts of gentleness and self-control. It was just that I didn't have anybody else's socks to fall over in the living room where they'd left them. Um, <laughs> and there's something about other people, isn't there, which reveals what's going on beneath. Somebody described being married to us as like putting a big mirror up in front of yourself and you get to see yourself as you really are for the first time. And that is what's happening in this passage now. Life is hard for the people that James is writing to. They are rubbing each other up the wrong way. And rather than addressing that behaviour, James is addressing the thing behind it. He's talking about the thing behind the thing, the thing that is causing that behaviour. If we look at the passage with a little bit of choice colour coding, you can see that the focus is on what's going on inside. He talks about in your hearts and within you and what you want and your motives and what dwells in us. James is talking about the thing behind the behaviour. Unlike Paul, who writes things like, I exhort so-and-so and so-and-so to agree with each other in the Lord, James here is addressing what's causing that behaviour. He's exhorting people to look within. 
Why did that person press your buttons? What selfish desires are you harboring? The message translation of this passage is really blunt. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. But being honest with ourselves is difficult. It's much easier to deal with other people's behaviour. I once worked with a teacher who was having a terrible time in the classroom. I had the classroom across the corridor from him, and even through two closed doors and across a corridor, I could hear the noise level going up during his lessons. On very bad days, I could occasionally see something flying across through the glass in both of our windows. And when you talked about the issue with him, it was always the fault of the students. The kids were feral. There were too many naughty kids been put in one class. There were too many special needs in his class. The problem was always out there. Trying to make him see that the problem wasn't out there, it was in here, was really difficult. The children were badly behaved because the lesson was badly planned and badly delivered. They didn't respect him because he didn't respect them. The problem wasn't out there, the problem was in here. Are we similarly blind? Have we fallen into the trap of failing to look within? James is blunt again and again, this is from the message, you're cheating on God. Will said last week that the mouth reveals what's going on in our gut and that it's our gut that we need to pay attention to. And I think this is the same thing this time. Rather than being, um, rather than, than saying, don't behave like that, James is calling us, examine your heart. So the question that I think the Lord is asking us today is, how's your heart? What's really going on inside? Because we've all had the experience, haven't we, of someone asking how we are, and we've replied, yes, fine, thanks, when the truth has been anything but. We don't like to face the truth about ourselves and the state of our own hearts. It's so much easier to pick faults in others. But Jesus is clear. Take the plank out of your own eye before you worry about the speck in someone else's. So maybe you can identify with this picture, that the problem's out there, it's not me. Maybe that's you. Or maybe this is you. This is me. 
I'm not a great one for blaming other people. So I just take whatever it is that hurts or is difficult or has caused me pain and I bury it as deeply as I possibly can. And I wonder if that is what some of us have done with some of our struggles. That we've carried on as normal, that we've put on our brave face, that we've pulled ourselves together and carried on regardless in that typically stoic British manner that we tend to have. But the pain is still there and it eats away at us and we identify with it and eventually it becomes part of us. Amy talked into this at the PCC away day yesterday when she had a word about the man who had been lying by the pool of Bethesda for however many years it was. And when Jesus came to him, he asked the question, do you want to get well? Sometimes I think I've got so used to living with the hurts inside that I've not really thought about getting past them. I've just accepted, oh, that's just how it is. And we'll just carry on anyway, shall we? So to come back to the passage, what do we do? James is beautifully clear here. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. God's not rude and he's not pushy. He invites you in and he waits for you to come to him. Will has talked about how we go forward from here as a church plant, um, as a new thing. And I really believe that we can't decide on the way forward. We can't decide what we do with the kids or how we worship together if we haven't got our heart right before Jesus. It doesn't matter about the detail. It matters about the posture and the position that we come before the Lord with. We need to come from a place of a submitted heart that can pray, not my will be done, but yours. James writes again in the message, get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way to get on your feet. We don't submit to Jesus because he's a tyrannical overlord. We submit to him because that is the best place for us to be. That he knows what is best for us and he acts accordingly. I once had an experience where some very dear friends of ours were moving house and I said that I would help them. I should also mention these very dear friends are not very well organised. And when I say not very well, I mean extremely. 
And at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, I turned up at their house to find that the, on the day they were moving, to find they'd packed literally nothing. And I spent the whole day packing and cleaning and sorting and organising. And at quarter past nine at night, I was still in their old house, defrosting their freezer with a chisel. Because they had to get out, and the freezer had to be defrosted, and the only thing I could find to get the ice off was a chisel. And my wonderful husband came and said, Claire, it's time to go home. And I said, no, I need to get this done. And I carried on, hacking away in a slightly crazed manner. Um, and he said, sweetheart, you are exhausted, come home. And I looked at him, and he's a very gentle man, my husband, but the look on his face said, I am not messing around here, you are coming home with me now. And I did. And I was so thankful to him for seeing that I was at my limit and I really needed to go home to bed. And the day after, I was so tired and so wiped out. And if I'd have stayed until the job was done and I'd left at midnight, as I would have done, I would have been even worse. I submitted to my husband in that instance because he knew what was best for me. And he was acting from a place of complete love with my best interests at heart. When we submit to God, it's the same thing. It's not a wrestle for control. It's a, you know better than I do. Let's do it your way. I think there are people in this room this morning who need to be really honest with themselves and with God. People who struggle with submitting to him for all kinds of really good reasons. But we have to recognise that first and foremost, as Christians, we're here to do it his way. We're not here to do it ours. So I'm going to end this morning with the words of Psalms 139. And we're going to have a few, minutes of, a few moments of silence and then some more songs. And feel free to sing, to sit, to kneel, to, to be quiet, to do whatever it is that you need to do to submit yourself once again to the God who loves you. Let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.